The following is a presentation of AOW Productions. This program contains adult content. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed by the host of this program do not necessarily state or reflect those of this station or its management. Bringing you controversy at its best with uncensored music, comedy, and political discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Outlaw Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outlaw Radio for the 11th of December, 2021. Christmas getting closer, yes indeed. I'm your host, Bad Billy. Got a great show lined up for you as always. In just a little bit, you're going to hear an interview that I recorded with former NFL player turned country singer Joe King. Him and I had a great conversation. Yes, as I said, you'll hear that in just a little bit. In the second hour, we're going to pull an AOW classic that I did uh, 10 years ago with uh, kickboxing legend Rick the Jet Rufus. In the third hour, because uh, Steven could not make it for the Steve Solution, I have Eric Pilcher, and uh, we got some interesting topics to discuss. Before we get to all that, I want to cue one of the latest singles from Joe King. This is... Drinking Doubles. And I'll be back with the interview with Mr. King right after this. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. And now, from a rented basement, because Bad Billy's mom threw him out, it's Outlaw Radio.
back mean to do thrill seeker rocking out to the station i hear you you're probably even sipping on a drink right now an average blah blah drink in a can or bottle one that doesn't quite hit the spot for you i'll bet you want something different don't you something more take your shot with cold cock whiskey the best whiskey anywhere why because it's different from other liquors cold cock whiskey is herbal whiskey 100 all natural herbs blended with aged american whiskey no more morning after sugar hangovers from other liquors. With Cold Cock's blend of herbs, including green tea, hibiscus, ginger, eucalyptus, and more, you'll be in herbal heaven. Cold Cock Whiskey, available at spirit stores and distributors America-wide. Find one near you at coldcockwhiskey.com. Follow Cold Cock Whiskey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Celebrate those special moments with friends. Raise your glass. Take your shot. You must be 21 or older to drink Cold Cock Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Because there are some people out there who need practical advice. And yes, I'm talking about you. Wisdom beyond value from the desk of Mr. Holland. Roses are red, violets are blue. Vodka costs less than dinner for two. Mr. Holland, Mr. Holland, over here, over here. Ma'am, ma'am, please keep it in your pants. I strongly believe. I think you're d- I have the right to f- Some people live in a world of censorship, forced to keep their thoughts and ideas quiet. But I have the right to freedom of speech. And so do you. Let your voice be heard. I, I have the right to freedom of speech. This message is brought to you by the NAB Education Foundation, the Broadcast Education Association, McCormick Foundation, and this station. 
So you go into your sporting goods or firearms store to get that gun and ammunition you've been wanting to buy, only to find out that the store doesn't have it. Worse yet, the shelves are bare. They're empty. Ugh. Well, that's why there's GunBroker.com. You want it? GunBroker.com's got it. Guns, gun parts, ammo, ammo storage, reloading equipment, binoculars, scopes, sights. Did I mention guns? Pistols, rifles, handguns, shotguns, machine guns, paintball guns, archery supplies, tools, jewelry, watches, even musical instruments and gear. Yes, GunBroker.com has those too. I'm telling you, they have it all. There are even auctions where you can bid on certain items. The folks at GunBroker.com know their stuff. They've been in business for over 20 years with over 6 million happy registered users. Why not become one of them? GunBroker.com. Go there. Check it out. Register today. It's 100% free. GunBroker.com. GunBroker.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliated with My Patriot Supply. Are you prepared for the next unplanned emergency? As we speak, inflation is rising and the grocery store shelves are stocked less and less every day. The time to prepare is now. Go to www.outlawradioabs.com, visit the store section, and click on the My Patriot Supply banner and purchase yourself some buckets of delicious gourmet food with a 25 year shelf life. You can also purchase other essential supplies you can use during times of unplanned emergencies. Supplies such as the Alexa Pure water filtration system, first aid and medical supplies, solar power supplies, and much more. Again, go to www.outlawradioabs.com. Visit the store section and click on the My Patriot Supply banner. Don't be left in the dark. Get yourself and your family prepared for the next unplanned emergency today. I'm Nick, and you're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we say what the fuckity fuck we want. No exceptions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard Drinking Doubles by Joe King, and it is my pleasure to welcome the former NFL player turned country singer to my show. Brother, how you doing? Good, man. How you doing today? Hey, I'm Billy. doing all right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I said former NFL player turned country singer, but uh, for those who are not familiar with Joe King, uh, why don't you uh, go ahead and tell uh, your backstory a little bit and let the listeners know who you are. Well, originally from uh, Dallas, Texas, um, went to Oklahoma State University, come out of Oklahoma State, and uh, went to uh, Cincinnati Bengals, uh, Cincinnati to Cleveland, Cleveland to Tampa Bay, and uh, Tampa Bay and finish up with the uh, L.A. Raiders, Oakland Raiders. Nice. Yeah, now they're in Las Vegas. Go figure. Yeah, now they're in Las Vegas Raiders, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, <laughs> so you, you played both sides of Ohio, too. Yes, yes, yes. Um, cold, cold, cold. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly when you say cold, 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 I know what you're talking about. I know Cincinnati isn't quite as bad as Cleveland, but... Cincinnati can get very cold, I know that, but uh, when I first started this show, I was living up in Northeast Ohio, not too, actually not too far in between Cleveland and Erie, Pennsylvania, uh-huh. and uh, I miss the community. It's a nice little community, but I do not miss those winter times up there. <laughs> yeah, it's um, off of Lake Erie, man. You get that, that cold, cold wind coming off that lake, and... Uh, 
Uh, but, uh, you know, it's definitely, definitely football weather there. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. I mean, so uh, when it comes to between, uh, be- between uh, your music and uh, your uh, NFL career, was there one you liked more than the other, or you like them about equally? Or? Huh. Hey, man, um, when you get up to the, the age, you know, you, you don't uh, – you don't miss that getting up early in the morning and hitting people, you know. So, <laughs> so definitely the music is uh, something that I do do really love uh, at this time. Um, of course, playing, you know, you have a different mentality, right? So, but uh, I, I love I love music. I always have, um, even when I was playing, just wasn't you know wasn't in that you know music sector. Or um, of course, I listen to all different types of music as well. But uh, but definitely love uh, going out playing and, and recording music. You, you know, I I got to tell you what really really surprises me is uh, it's not the fact that you you being African American and being a country music singer, it's you being African American and the style that you're stick you're you're clinging to. What surprises me, you're clinging more to the old school style. Yeah, I think that's kind of uh, that. That's kind of gravitated me more so than the new, um, than the new country. I, you know that they would say. Um, uh, I I love all the, you know, the traditional you know music, and I, I love the new up to date stuff too. But I think what um, you know my lane is definitely a tradition kind of traditional country. See. Because I, I'm listening and I'm I'm hearing uh, like you said the the uh, traditional country you know like I listen to what uh, they call today's country you know which uh, I I have a hard time calling that country music like uh, the the best example I can give is Thomas Rhett his voice is country his music is not right but that's my opinion right and you know you. We've came to that age to where these young kids, um, I'm not too sure if they're interested in, in, in two-stepping, you know, like they, uh, like country is uh, uh, modeled after, right? I mean, they don't mind just standing there with the hats backwards and, and uh, standing, looking at the concert, standing in one spot, just kind of just moving side to side. But, um, you know, I think of uh, country music being a place where some, you know, if the song is, uh, moves you, you want to get out and, and, and dance, you know, and so I feel that uh, the music that I will produce would be some stuff that, you know, people would want to just grab someone and get out on the dance floor and, and, and shuffle their feet a little bit. There you go. There you go. And, uh, you know, there's one thing that uh, I've got to bring up, and that is uh, the last uh, more traditional old school country singer I had on this show was was in 2016. And we're talking his style goes more toward Jim Reeves or Hank Sr., you know, old, oh, yeah. old, old school country. And, right. and he said that uh, the, uh, today the steel guitar is so underutilized. I noticed you got a fiddle, you got a steel guitar in your band. You, yeah, you know, I, I think I want to, um, I want to say that I want to be right in that middle, you know, and uh, uh, definitely, you know, having all the the country sound, uh, you know, fiddle, the steel, the keyboard, um, uh, 
and all of that stuff makes the you know sound of country music in my opinion and so uh i definitely um don't you know picture myself being a rock band uh, uh rock is great right but uh i i want to hear that you know that 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 country sound and and, and still is is a signature sound in country music uh even back in the day uh but uh but yeah, I definitely that that's I want all the sounds of the old times, but just kind of bring it up to date just a little bit, you know what I mean? And um, that that's you know that's the sound that I want to hear. Well, it's uh, you know the the sound is not dead; it's just the best word I can say is underutilized. And uh, right, yeah, no, yeah, of course. And, I mean, some people they go up there with just a bass, drums, lead guitar, or two lead guitars. Yeah, I mean, whatever floats your boat. Uh, but like you said, this, you know, by having that still, it just really enhances. And, and so, in all of my music, that's that's definitely a must. Uh, even performing live, um, you know, that, that, that's a must to me. So I I will overutilize the still, as they would say. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Now, in your NFL days, were there was there ever time to you were in the um, uh, let's let's say uh, you were in the locker room or you were af- after a game you would uh, uh, pull out the guitar back then and, and uh, play a tune? No, never, never. Uh, in fact, I wasn't even playing uh, playing the guitar at that time. I. Um, I just kind of used to sing acapella, um, you know, just some random songs that I was singing, you know, getting in the shower or whatever the case may be, and just uh, to start kind of just singing a song, you know, whether it was a gospel or a country or uh, R and B or you know, uh, one of my one of my my greatest artists is uh, Sam Cooke, and uh, love Sam Cooke. Uh, yeah, and so I used to sing a lot of songs to Sam and some of the guys. Say, Joe, go ahead and hit that tune for me, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just started to you know start singing. But never, never uh, didn't didn't, uh, didn't own or, or or even know how to play a guitar back then. You know, it's funny you mentioned Sam Cooke too. You know, I mean, me, I'm. I mean, I, I saw your bio and I, I seen your age and you're, I'm not that much younger than you. Just, to, just, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little younger than you, but not by much. So that, uh, you gotta, gotta realize it's like a uh, generation behind us doesn't even, uh-huh. doesn't even know who Sam Cook was. Some of them don't even know who Buddy Holly was. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, that was great music. Uh, I listen to, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of well-rounded, you know, Elvis Presley, um, you know, from, you know, the old Charlie Pride to Frank Sinatra to, uh, you know, standards, you know, um, Dean Martin. So I, I listen to a, a variety of, uh, you know, m- music, uh, uh, reggae, you know, so <laughs> I was kind of influenced by, by a lot of sounds. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, was it uh, during your football career that uh, you thought about it, thinking, you know what, I'm I'm going to have to retire pretty soon, and uh, I think after once I'm done, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a singer. Well, you know, uh, never, no, never was a plan. I actually, um, 
that didn't start until like see, 1999 when I went and bought me a guitar and just, you know, it was a Christmas present and uh, just wanted to learn how to play. And, and of course, that went from learning how to play to, you know, singing, you know, with what I was playing as well. Um, and then I was kind of hanging out with some guys up at this local bar and they had this open mic, you know. And so uh, open mic meant at that time was, hey, you, you got an instrument, you just sign up and get up and, and, and perform whatever you're going to perform. And so a place called The Boxcar in Cedar Hill, Texas, um, I started going up there and, and a guy, you know, approached me and said, hey, man, there's a guy that's got, you know, that can play that like to put together a band. And, and so I said, well, that's cool. I like to come up here, you know, once a week, come up here and jam out. And so we started doing that, and then we kind of um, kind of got a band together just from that conversation, and we started practicing and rehearsing, and, and uh, the boxcar was the name of the location. And we used to go up there and uh, basically perform on Saturday nights, you know, and, and it just kind of just branched from there. And, you know, during that process, you, you, you go through quite a few, uh, you know, musicians and and, uh, and I got to the point to where I wanted to kind of do this, you know, on a, on a grand scale, right? I mean, my goals and admirations are, you know, out of this universe. So I said, well, you know, uh, most of the time, you know, majority of the time, I'll, uh, if you dream big, you know, you'll get to a certain point. You know, if you get to the big, then, you know, that's what you dream. And so... I wanted to, to, to really get really, really good, you know, at what I was doing. And, and I wanted to have some great people around me. And, and of course, you know, football background is kind of, you know, drove that. And, uh, and, you know, just in a short while, I saw myself performing at all the uh, popular bars around Fort Worth and, um, you know, different, you know, fair events, uh, Taste of Dallas, Taste of Addison, um, you know, the uh, Grapevine Festival. So we kind of started branching out and, and doing some things that, that we didn't, I didn't think that I would really get to, but, um, and then, of course, you know, going to the studio and recording. Yes, yes. And you talk about branching out, too. I mean, you're originally from Oklahoma, and you, and, uh, you, you or at least that's, that song gives that impression anyway. Yeah. Um, but um, you ever had the chance to you know, branch out like Nashville or uh, anywhere around those lines? Well, you know, I'm originally from Texas, uh, Dallas, Texas. I went to school in Oklahoma. And, of course, that, like you said, that song, Stillwater, Oklahoma, uh, was the first song that I wrote. Um, you know, again, that was that, that, that dream, right? It's getting on the big stage and, and going to Nashville. And I'm sure there's a lot of uh, baggage comes with that. Um, but, you know, I think there's a, a lot of uh, opportunity right here in Texas, you know, um, honestly. And so, I, I you know, I want to stay independent uh, until somebody, you know, offers me something that I can't refuse, you know. But, uh, but I, I just want to have fun with it, man. I, I just I want to have fun with it and just uh, see how far to go. You know that's an important thing too, because you know a long time ago I used to I used to work in a casino in northern Nevada, and one thing I learned is the difference is those who come to the casino they gamble they all gamble, 
but there are those that come to have fun and those that come to win. Those right. that those that come to win usually don't don't fare very well. Sure, sure. And you know, like I said, coming into it is is, is something that I love to do. Um, it, it reminds me of football. I mean, it's almost like getting prepared in, in the uh, uh, preparation. You know, meaning that you got a group of guys you got to get with and, and uh, uh, that you fit with and, and hit that stage and and uh, put smiles on people's face and, 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 and hope that they get up and dance. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, going to your NFL days, I mean, um, is there a is there a time or a game you can you can say is your your most um, your most memorable? Well, Billy, I'm going to say every last one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Only because, you know, we, you know, it's a game that's, you know, that's created and, 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 and I was blessed, I was blessed to play it, you know, and, and I don't take that for granted at, 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 at any point in time. Now they have some highlights to where I intercepted the ball and, and, uh, and I got to tell you, man, I mean, there's, there's a lot of years that went by and, and a lot of people ask me that, man, what was your best game? You know, I have to sometimes sit, sit and think about that. You know, um, I remember the first interception was uh, when I was playing for Tampa, Tampa Bay. Um, I wasn't a starter at that time, but toward the end of the year, I started getting in more and more. And I think it was against Arizona Cardinals and I intercepted, uh, two passes in that particular game. So that was definitely a highlight. And uh, my contract year was, was, was about to come up. Uh, and so I was going into a, a year to where I didn't have a contract. And then after that game, I mean, the next following week, man, I signed like a, another three-year contract with uh, Tampa Bay. <laughs> and so I have to say the first one you, you pretty much kind of remember. And, and I got, um, yeah, I think I had like a total of seven and each uh, interception you got, you get a game ball or, or they're paint the ball up with the uh, the date, the team, the score, and your name and, and you know, interception. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, those were, uh, you know, all of them were, you know, memorable, man. It's just amazing to go out and see that crowd. And, uh, and like I said, the similarities to this music is when you get into a uh, – you know, performance and you see all these people and, and they're looking at you, you know what I mean? And so uh, it, it definitely, uh, those those are things that I miss about football. But once I start back into this music thing, I'm, you know, I'm getting that, that feeling back again. Yeah, I gotcha. Well, I gotta, I gotta tell you, you're, you're only the second person I've ever talked to that's played in the NFL. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it may seem like a lot of people are, you know, play NFL, but, you know, it's only a certain percentage, man. I mean, uh, you look over the league, I did have the number starting from uh, way, way back in the day. A num- I had a number, and, and that was, uh, was mind-staggering how many people it was. It wasn't very many, probably about 4,000 maybe. <laughs> Yeah. From 19, whatever, since the, the you know, uh, or I should say, I should say there was only 4,000 that were living. I should say that. 
Now, the uh, the other one that I've met and talked to, yeah, I, I met this one in person, was actually a pretty big name. But the, uh, the funny thing was, because, you know, I never I never have been a very big football fan, is, you know, I'm I think NFL, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, big and stocky, you know, monsters is what I'm always expecting. And then the, uh-huh. then the day I met Jerry Rice and see he's not all that. Yeah, he was he was still one of the greatest to ever play for the 49ers, you know, and he let me right. he let me try on one of his Super Bowl rings and uh-huh. you know, he he was just awesome. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Jerry Jerry's great. Jerry actually is a Jerry actually is a great guy. Um uh he, he's a, you know, he, he's a perfectionist, so um very, very competitive. Um, really studied the game and and um, really worked hard. I mean, Jerry really worked hard to get to where he was. And, and uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not too sure that he, you know, when, when he first started, that he thought that he would be a Hall of Famer. Uh, but, but yeah, he's uh, he's a wonderful guy. Great athlete. Oh yeah, yeah, most definitely, most definitely. And then I, I do have to ask, I mean, obviously, I mean, there's there's never really any real hatred unless, unless there's something real bad going on. But what, was there, were you ever involved in a game, too, where there was one particular player or just the whole, or against the whole team, this is a game you have to win. That that player right there, once he gets the ball, you have to sack him, Any anything like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Barry Sanders, which was my teammate, uh, the game plan was, you know, centered around him, you know. And so if you stop Barry, you win the game. <laughs> so, uh, but which was very, very tough to do, I, I should add. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, Jerry Rice was one as well, you know. I mean, uh, there's quite a few teams that had those type of game changers, you know. Um, so, uh, Joe Montana, hey, put pressure on him, may win the game. So, oh man, I'll never forget that though. Uh, the, the game against Cincinnati, I think it was, uh, 1989. Oh, wow. That, that game was intense. That much I do know. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. sir. Now, uh, as growing up too, uh, were you involved in any other sports as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, track, uh, basketball. I played it all. Soccer. <laughs> <laughs> I played a little baseball. Um, but uh, track was definitely a, a sport that I was pretty much. That was all I was going to do. Um, one of my cousins came up to me and said, "Man, you got to go out for the football team." And, and uh, pretty much most of my family upbringing basically you know uh, play football and, and uh starting out at middle school i started out in the eighth grade playing football and uh played quarterback from the eighth grade all the way to graduating high school and i was recruited uh, as a quarterback at oklahoma state i never played at oklahoma state at quarterback i was a defensive back cornerback and uh, obviously when i went into the pros i got moved to safety so um, yeah, that's kind of how that, uh, kind of how that, that rolled through. And me, I was a wrestler. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I did, I did track and football up until my junior in high yeah. school. 
No, for me, I mean, I remember too. I mean, it was in junior high. I remember I didn't want to do it at all. And then, I, but you know, it was kind of required. And, I'm th- and then once I started doing it, I thought, hey, this is, this is fun. So yeah. picking up wrestling, you know. So. Oh yeah, wrestling was really cool. I used to watch it uh, at the university. Um, you know, uh, Kenny Monday and uh, Smith. Oh. Tons. Yeah. It's what's oh, those guys, man, back in the day. I mean, because I'm an MMA fan, I remember Kenny Monday getting into MMA, and he was dominant the one fight that he had. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, huh. yeah great guy, too. Great guy. Yeah. Yeah, Olympian, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, as well. Yeah, silver. He was a silver. Yeah. John, John Smith was a gold. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I have to ask this. Um, we know that uh, tw- 2020 has not been very nice on society. 2021 is somewhat of an improvement, you know, with all this COVID going on and all that. But, uh, you know, obviously there wasn't much you could do at that time. But what are the positives you think you could take out of that whole time frame? Well, the big positives, um, you know, we were able to regroup and, and basically spend more time with family. I mean, it seems like things kind of slow down, you know, a little bit. Uh, and, and so with that, being able to uh, spend that time with family and, and, you know, do things that you haven't done before, camping and, and uh, you know, enjoy, enjoy outdoors. Uh, it was great to see, man, in the community, people just walking. Uh, there was conversations going on. And, uh, you know, prior to that, I mean, people was just, I mean, it was just a, you know, freaking freeway, right? I mean, things was just going so, so, so fast. Uh, on a personal level, um, for me, I had just lost my mom, uh, 2019 November. It gave me time to kind of, kind of regroup, you know, um, in a sense, uh, you know, losing, losing a loved one like that, I would, you know, and, and been able to continue to keep, you know, keep my family around. Everyone was at home. Kids were at home. Um, and, but uh, on a personal level, I was able to do the recording that I did as well uh, during COVID. And so I went into the studio with uh, Ace and the whole band. Uh, Kenny, um, Benny MacArthur uh, produced uh, the five, uh, the five uh, songs that I recorded. So, um, although there, there were, there were uh, COVID restrictions, you know, doing this uh, recording as well, but, uh, but it was great. Uh, those guys were, you know, ready to get out and do some stuff too, you know. Um, so, so I was able to uh, complete that project. Yeah. During COVID. Yeah, that's what I heard too. Like I, I interviewed uh, Ross, the boss, a former uh, guitarist, a man of war, and uh, – that's what he was saying is that uh, he had projects uh, that have been on the back burner for what maybe fifteen years. He finally got to finish them all. So, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, let me call you right back, babe. Okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, no problem. But yeah, no, it was um, that. That was amazing, man. Um, and and I was I was grateful and happy for that opportunity um, 
because if COVID, if it wasn't COVID, I probably wouldn't have got that opportunity to go to the studio with those guys that, when I did, you know, so. Yep. It was great. Yes. So looking into your future now, well, we got some gigs coming up or you got Yeah, some- you know, with, with the, with the, um, um, with the hangover with COVID, you know, things were still kind of slow this year, right? Yeah. And so we did we did do a lot of marketing stuff. We got songs on the radio. We got the second one on the radio now. And so we're looking for a big, big year next year, um, you know, uh, out the box, right? You know, uh, hopefully, you know, and I keep hearing this COVID thing continue to keep kind of brew, you know, in, in the rear here. But uh, hopefully we can get that under control and, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll start out this year you know, doing, doing a lot of things that we didn't get a chance to do this past year. A lot of things got canceled, uh, believe it or not. A lot of things got canceled. And oh, so oh yeah, on those, ca- on those cancellations, we was a part of that cancellation. So, uh, but, you know, again, it, it, it's, been, it's been good to just kind of, you know, set goals and, um, and, and go try to work to achieve those goals that you've set. So uh, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to uh, this this coming year. Absolutely, absolutely. So I got one more question for you. Let's say a group of kids, ages what, fifteen to early twenties, approach you and they tell you that they want to start a band. They want to get in the music business. What advice do you think you give them? The number one advice that I give someone that wants to basically start, you know, uh, I mean, how devoted are you to the music? You know, how devoted, what is your message? What, 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 I mean, what is your identity? You know, uh, one, I think, uh, and then once you can, in, can, once you can define that, then you start cultivating it. Just like you asked me earlier, like, man, you're not new country. You're not old, old country, right? But I, I know where I fit in this, in this equation. And so but once you can find yourself and find great material, um, networking with other musicians, man. I mean, you can't do this on your own. Um, you need help, um, you know, and, and learn. You know, I mean, when I first started out in this thing, man, it's we, we did a lot of things wrong, you know, Um you are your self-marketer, marketing uh, engine, right? And so I believe how you start is how you can finish up if you basically market yourself a certain way. And again, you need help, right? I mean, you, you need people that, that know, you know, that's not going to steer you the wrong way or are not going to just basically bring you in for cheap. Uh, know, your, know your worth value. And... And as long as you can keep those things in the forefront, um, you know, uh, and just basically be devoted to what you're doing. Again, have fun, man. This is all. This is some. This is something that you that you have the um, the, the, the God given talent to do. I mean, go and have fun, you know, and. Um, I mean, I, I love it, man. It puts a smile on my face, especially when I'm getting ready to go for a gig and and uh, just kind of the preparation. Like I said, I, I send 
I, I similarly that, that, that to, you know, football, the preparation it took to get ready to get ready, right? And so I like that feeling. Uh, it's, it's not pressure, but it's, it's like that anxiety, you know? But I like that feeling. But uh, just focus on you and, 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 and go out and, and, and come up with some great material. It may not be what you write all the time. Be something that somebody else wrote. So, just kind of be true to yourself. All right, I like that answer. I I like that answer a lot. I mean, that's that's great right there. Well, that's all the questions I have for you. I want to thank you very much uh, for your time here on the show. And uh, we're gonna hit a music set here. I'm gonna play about three more of your songs. Uh, before I get to that, uh, why don't you give yourself a plug, tell the listeners where they can find you, social media, got a website, Reverb Nation, iTunes, Spotify, and all that good stuff. Yeah, you can, you can look up uh, the music, merchandise, and things like that, uh, jokingband.com, um, Twitter, jokingband. Um, you can find us on any major platform, music platform, uh, Spotify, um, Apple Music, uh, Amazon, um, uh, any major any major music platform you can find. Drinking Doubles, you can find uh, down in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and you can find Have Another Beer uh, on any one of those playing platforms. So look us up. <laughs> yes. And, uh, well, hey, once again, thank you so much uh, for your time here. And, um, hey, may you and your family have a blessed holiday. And uh, I'll be I'll be uh, keeping my ear open for uh, when you put out some more tunes. Absolutely, Billy. Billy, I appreciate your time, buddy. All right. You take care. All right. Take care. And there you have the interview with Joe King. Yes, indeed. We're going to go to our first music set. Coming up, we got... Three more songs by Joe King, plus we have MXPX and The Stupendium. Be right back after this. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. You're listening to Outlaw Radio, and if you don't agree with our opinions, then fuck your mother. Hey, do you kiss your girlfriend with that mouth?
keep on searching, but yet we haven't found. Keeps on running, keeps on running, keeps on running in the spring. Believe in 
using the power of Santa or get nothing. <laughs> you're gonna get coal in your stocking cause you're yuppie scum. Just means more gifts for me. Keep pissing Santa off.
past and a lot has changed People are still the same And out in Steelwater, Oklahoma The beers are cold and the girls are fun Tonight I might get me one Down in Steelwater, Oklahoma I'm a little bit older now I'm going back to my college town To look around and see what's going down Years have passed and a lot has changed But people are Still the same Down in Steelwater, Oklahoma Down in Steelwater, Oklahoma And I'll probably be slayed When I say that I don't wish that it was Christmas every day you The resulting economic instability Would inhibit the facilities That exhibit all that's Christmassy uh. Three weeks we'd all be sick of the nativity Winter the tinsel and grit and teeth of the festivities And all the time people spend finding pine needles That soon see the futility of Christmas trees We shed their green things to see the time was fleeting Season's greetings would weaken with weeks of repeating Going on and on what holiday would just belay monotony There's a reason that the season is a reasonably brief thing Ooh. Of course the shops, they're likely to lie Cause there's an awful lot of things that they would like you to buy So apart from a few barbecues in between Christmas ends around June and starts again in July So grab your favorite beverage and raise it up But know the Christmas isn't christened in my last in the truck It's a time of year to hold near the ones that you love So I hope it's more than coke you're gonna toast with that cup Because we're known to give up when the outlook is grim The world's so turned around, it's no wonder it spins But Christmas is forgiveness, so forgive it, it's sins Raise a glass, just bask in the wonder it brings It may be apt to assume me hypocritical For my apathetic attitude towards the biblical But you don't need to put your faith into a miracle To see that one thing will always stand empirical No matter how you decorate the trees The world is not a pretty place to be And all it takes to see all of the hate and greed Is perchance just to glance at your HD screens And we replay these scenes We say sweet dreams We rest our heads in our beds And forget the screams Sound drowned by the festive sales machines My grand would have been grateful for tangerines So give me coal this December It's not the gift you get What you spend or the splendor It's our hearth in our hearts Where we all come together I like that coal We could share in the embers So whether you believe in the immaculate You're undecided or you've sided with the secular Yeah, whatever is your spiritual vernacular Sharing that warmth and you'll have something spectacular So grab your favorite beverage and raise it up But know the Christmas isn't Christmas in my lights on the truck It's a time of year to hold near the ones that you love So I hope it's more than coke, you get a total 
for that cup Because we're known to give up When the outlook is grim The world's so turned around It's no wonder it spins But Christmas is forgiveness So forgive it, it sins Raise a glass Just bask in the wonder it brings It's time to focus on what's important So raise a toast And set that smile aglow To your friends To your family To tomorrow's To the past that was passed a year ago But every year the wait feels shorter though And I know It's not a nice thought to know But the years they melt by Just sure as snow We've only got so many more to go So hold them close and make the most And as you raise that toast You taste that roast Be you guest or host Know you've been blessed with those Who have impressed the most In the wax of that candle in your chest And no, there is no festive ghost We'll let you try again Take you back And show you what might have been So cherish each moment you get to spend Cause the present is a gift Share it with your friends And raise it up Know that Christmas isn't christened In my lights in the truck It's the time of year to hold near The ones that you love So I hope it's more than coke You get a toast with that because we're known to give up when the outlook is grim And the world's so turned around to the wonder it spins so Christmas is forgiveness, I'll forgive it, it sins Raise a glass, just bask in the wonder it brings So whatever your Christmas festivities Spend the day in the church or in a onesie Enjoying turkey and roast beef or nuts and goat's cheese Be grateful, it's playful, but spare a thought for those who won't be Yeah, the world's going off the rails And we need more to fix it than trinkets and retail But this season, love and family will always prevail Until we riot over deals in the January sales.
There is no other feeling than strapping up or grabbing those kettlebells, grappling on the mat, or doing some shadow boxing, getting knocked down, getting back up, throwing strikes, and then doing it all over again. So when you hear someone scream, gear up, you better get ready, because it's just you, your hunter athletic gear, and the voice telling you to train harder. No matter how much experience you have, hunter athletic gear stands with you all the way. Their products are engineered for utmost comfort, protection and speed battle after battle hunter athletic gear is the brand celebrating your victory hunter athletic gear has a range of great training and fight gear for men and ladies including compression pants fight shorts hoodies vests caps and bikinis they can create custom branded ranges for your gym or business visit their website at huntermma.co.za gear up and let's train What news and information are your media dollars buying when the narrative is prescribed by the advertisers? Scripted lies, media brainwashing, and thought control. Take back your voice. Take back our media. But most of all, take back our First Amendment. Subscribe to Caravan to Midnight today for hard-hitting commentary free from political correctness and media bias as I and some of the most intelligent and interesting people on Earth delve deep into what really lies beyond the headlines. Three to four hour uninterrupted and uncensored information. Join our CTM family today. Join the movement. Join the fight for freedom and independence. Caravan to Midnight is media for the people, by the people, independent of commercial obligations or influence. For less than a cup of coffee per month, you can make a difference. Let the people fund the next news network. Help us grow. Help us create a platform where we place freedom of speech and thought first. Join the family at caravantomidnight.com. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment of the United States of America's Constitution. This Second Amendment, the right of law-abiding Americans to privately own and possess firearms, is under attack like no other time in America's history. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have pledged to take away your Second Amendment rights through gun bans, gun confiscations, and government regulations. Even a gun tax. Do not take this lying down. The time to take action and fight to protect your Second Amendment rights is now. Join the Second Amendment Foundation, the oldest and largest nonprofit foundation focused on protecting your Second Amendment rights. For more information, to join or to donate, visit saf.org. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliation with MyPillow. Mike Lindell supports America, and we support Mike, but sadly, him and his company have been victimized by this cancel culture. But that's not going to stop Mike from making sure you get the best sleep possible, and now is the time to take advantage of those savings. Go to www.outlawradioabs.com. Go to the store section, click on the MyPillow banner, and start your online shopping. Be sure to use the promo code OUTLAW and get up to 66% off your purchase. 
And if you act right now, you can get our standard My Pillow for $19.98, regular price $69.98. These pillows are made right here in the USA and are washable. So again, go to www.outlawradioabs.com. Go to the store section. Click on the My Pillow banner and start your online shopping. But remember to use that promo code OUTLAW to take advantage of those savings. Or you can place your order by calling 1-800-652-3982. And now a message for the men. Listen up, guys. Fact. As we men age, our IGF-1 growth factor levels decrease, which can lead to gradual deterioration of energy, muscle growth, and immune function. From Neutronics Labs comes a line of health supplements that make men men again. Deer Antler Velvet. Listen, IGF-1 Plus Deer Antler Velvet contains the most concentrated source of widely diversified nutrition found in the plant or animal kingdom. Choose from Neutronics Labs liposome spray products. From the Ultra 10,000 nanograms package to the Platinum 300,000 nanograms package. There are also specially formulated supplements for joint pain relief, more energy, better stamina, better natural sleep, stress relief, and weight loss. For more information about these amazing products, visit Key keys2life.shop that's k-e-y-s the number two life.shop IGF-1 plus deer antler velvet supplements from Neutronics Labs making men men again yo baby you have your asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat you're listening to outlaw radio now buy a sewing machine take it home and cram it up your ass all right ladies and gentlemen welcome back to outlaw radio brought to you by cold cock whiskey raise your glass take a shot you must be 21 years of age or older to drink hunter athletic gear up let's train and Neutronics IGF-1, Making Men, Men Again. The songs you just heard, you just heard Joe King with Have Another Beer. Before that, The Stipendium with Lights on a Truck. Before that, Joe King with Down in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Before that, MXPX with Christmas Night of Zombies. And starting off the whole set, Running to Stay by Joe King. And yes, one more time, a shout out to uh, Joe King. Thank you very much for joining the show. So we got the uh, classic interview with K1 and kickboxing legend Rick the Jet Rufus coming up in just a little bit. Before I get to that, it is time to reveal... The Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week. And ladies and gentlemen, the Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week this week is a gentleman by the name of John Hopwood. He's out of New Hampshire. Now, I did announce last week that I would start a segment on Matt Connerton Unleashed called Save the Boar, where I was going to memorialize a farmer who had been murdered in South Africa. And I started with Brendan Horner. All of a sudden, this uh, John Hopwood retard pops out of the woodwork and starts criticizing me, saying, why not call it the uh, Save the White Race, making it more about as if I was uh, promoting white supremacy. And uh, by the way, when I talked about the South African farm murders a few weeks ago on Matt Connerton Unleashed, uh, when did I ever mention white genocide? 
And, uh, you know, you talked about uh, you going to South Africa, which you may or may not have done. I really don't know, and I don't care. Um, but uh, fact of the matter is, um, you know, I, I don't fully support apartheid. I support what it started out as because black tribes were going after each other and innocent bystanders getting in a way. So that's why apartheid was formed in the first place. I don't like what it later became. But, uh, you know, why was Nelson Mandela put in jail? Because the piece of shit set off a bunch of fucking bombs that murdered a bunch of people and, mind you, a bunch of black people in the process. So... Yeah, I am not ashamed to use the term boar. You know what, dude? Fuck you. Fuck off. Get the fuck away from me, you piece of shit. I mean, but that's okay because uh, I may have another station that's going to uh, possibly pick up the segment. Anyway, with that said, it's time for the AOW Classics, the classic interview with... Rick the Jet Rufus. Digging deep into the history of AOW Productions. This is an Outlaw Radio AOW Classic. Joining me this week, he's a legend in kickboxing. He's won a title in boxing, pole contact karate. He's been around the game for a while. Please welcome Rick the Jet Rufus out of Arizona. How you doing, Rick? I'm great, thank you. That's hey, good to hear that. Now, uh, Rick, my first question is, uh, what were your early inspirations? What made you want to get involved in the fighting arts to begin with? Um, I've been doing martial arts since I was uh, oh, four years old. My father got me into it. It was kind of like ice cream, could never get enough of it. I uh, I enjoyed it. I started uh, point karate fighting when I was, um, uh, what was it, 1974, won my first tournament in Mini Pee Wee. From there, I went on to fight from Mini Pee Wee to Pee Wee to Junior, men's black belt on the national tour. Um, I also started Golden Gloves, our, our Junior Olympic uh, boxing, and then Golden Gloves boxing, and then I went professional kickboxing at the age 18, which would be 1984. Okay, so you say 74. Uh, not trying to make you feel old, but that's when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've been it's uh, you've been doing this longer than I've been alive. But uh, right, right, yeah. But um, it. it Always watching you, it's been very, very impressive seeing you fight. Um, when it comes to K1, you've been, you fought a who's who of, in K1. And uh, also, like I said, you have a boxing title. But uh, I do have to ask you, uh, uh, your brother, uh, Duke. Correct. Was, yeah, he he was uh, put, was, your dad get him put in there as well? What's that? Your dad uh, do the same thing with him as well, put, put him in there and get, get him started in martial arts, and you both trained together since you were kids, pretty much? Uh, yeah, he, he kind of followed in the footsteps. Okie dokie. Now, um, you say you're, you had your first, uh, your first point uh, contact fight at, in 74? 
I was uh, like uh, point karate, where it was tag. Oh, okay. So I understand that. And uh, when did you uh, have your first uh, full contact match? Um, 1984. Okay. And uh, if you don't mind me asking, uh, what styles of martial arts and what styles of karate uh, have you perfected in? Uh, I have a black belt in Taekwondo and a black belt in Kempo. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking at your record right now according to uh, Wikipedia, and uh, I don't know how accurate... Uh, this is but it, it should be 64 9 and 1 uh with 40 was it 43 knockouts now now my i am a nine-time world champion six of those are in six different weight classes six different weight classes and what would they be i started off as a super middleweight um won my first title in 87 and kind of grew up when I, from light middle to middle to light heavy to cruiser and heavy. Now, I was uh, cruising through some videos uh, I've seen online of you, and there there's one that I thought thought was uh, rather interesting was uh, when you fought, uh, uh, if I can get the, the pronunciation right, but uh, Placentric, I, I guess that's how it's pronounced, uh, uh, the, the Muay Thai fighter when you fought him in Las yeah, Vegas. Yeah, on grit. Yeah, that was an exhibition. I had never done a leg kick in my life, and um, um, it was just, it was not even supposed to be leg kicks. Nothing uh, was supposed to be, not at all. And here comes to find out that um, um a big uh, fight broke out at the weigh-in with Bill Wallace in between, and it uh, wasn't good. So um ended up doing it, but, you know, it was an exhibition. I mean, even the announcers said it was an exhibition. So. Yeah, yeah, I remember them saying that. And, uh, of course, I remember it said that he couldn't use uh, probably the best of his arsenal, which would be his knees and his elbows. But that was right. the first time. That was the first time you ever fought somebody uh, out of Thailand. Correct. Okay. And uh, one thing that I was very impressed with out of that fight is, uh, whereas uh, you know you pro you probably had trouble with his low leg kicks, but uh, he he se seemed like uh, he never fought anybody with uh, that had hands as superior as yours, and, and you, know, you really laid it to him. And I'd. I mean, your your kicks are impressive, but uh, I don't know. I'd say your hands sometimes are even more impressive. Uh, did you feel it at times that uh, the fight was yours and you were gonna, you were going to win it? You were going to knock him out? Well, yeah. I mean, he had some major fouls, and the referee let it go on. I mean, I, he threw me across the ring and like a judo throw. He stomped me. They threw ice all over the ring. His jaw was broke. His jaw was broke, and. Uh, I don't know. It just uh, was. Uh, it was kind of a disaster there for a while. Yeah, that's not the first time I've heard of that too. It's a, um, a tie fighter coming in, and uh, basically it, beco it becomes a disaster up against a kickboxer. You know, whether it's in Thailand or wh whether it's in uh, elsewhere. So, mm -hmm. so that's not the first time I've heard of that happening. As I said, you fought a who's who in kickboxing K1. Um, 
I do have to ask you, since that fight, have you gone to Thailand or anywhere and fought Muay Thai under Muay Thai rules? No, never. That was my first uh, encounter with it. It was, like I said, an exhibition. And um, I had went on until the kickboxing died in, was it, 94, 95? And then I turned professional boxing, concert and then went into the uh, K-1 style. Okay. Now, one fight I, I've got to ask about, if you don't mind, is uh, your fight against uh, Rob Kane, and that's somebody else uh, that's always impressed me. And looked like you had a pretty good fight, but it says it, it went down as a no contest. If you don't mind me asking, what happened there? That was never not a no contest. I won the first one, and second one, I knocked him out. Oh wow. <laughs> okay, so well, I'm reading. Where does that say that? Uh, it says Wikipedia, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, we we have can't can't always rely on this. Is why why I said uh, you know no. I, I don't know how accurate it is. No, but no, I uh, came in twice. I mean, I give props to came in. The best fighters in the world are the Dutch and bar none. I fought Hoost and came in, and I I put them up there as the baddest dudes in the world. They are both uh, the creme de la creme. Oh, absolutely! I mean, Ernesto Husi has been around a long time, and yep. one of the one of the very best. Um, yeah, it's a, and it says you you beat him in uh, New York by decision, correct? No, I fought both fights in Paris. Oh wow! Th yeah, this is a mess. <laughs> I'm terribly yeah. sorry. This yeah. is a mess. But uh, anyway, so so you. Fought, uh, fought them both over in Europe and Paris, as you say, and yeah. uh, at the uh, at the uh, big arena there it was sold out like uh, Palace Day Sports. It was like thirty, forty thousand, about fifty. It was it was packed. Cayman was a legend over there. Oh, absolutely. Now, one thing I'm curious about is uh, when you first started in kickboxing, um, how many rounds? Did it normally go? It was 12 two-minute rounds when you defended your uh, title. 12 two-minute rounds? Okay. Mm -hmm. And and, and um, when you went crossed over to K1, is that uh, when basically the, the the fight duration was shorter? Uh, yeah. Okay. And uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us, uh, tell us all about uh, your first experience with uh, K1. That was quite a uh, changing experience. I mean, going all those years out of thai, uh, the kickboxing and the boxing, and the thing that was hard was your stands. You're going from a side stands to turning so you can learn how to block. The hardest transition was learning how to block and changing your stands. And that does raise one other question, too, because you, you, we've already talked about how you boxed uh, professionally a little bit. You're a mm -hmm. former crew cruiserweight champion according to box rec mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, was there ever a time in the boxing ring where uh, you you kind of felt the you were timber to kick yes no, exactly never. never it was maybe the boxing shoes i don't i never never ever no now uh, your boxing record uh, hopefully this is more accurate because this is on a different website, but it says your record is 13-5 and one draw with uh, 
11 knockouts. Is that correct? 14, 5, and 1 with uh, 12 knockouts. Yeah, 12 knockouts or 13. Okay. Now, I do, I've, if you don't mind, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners all about uh, the fight uh, in 96 with uh, Sean McClain when you won the cruiserweight title. Oh, that was a big um, uh, fight for me. Sean had been in the ring with a lot of big-name opponents, and um, it was, you know, it was a great fight. It was, was, uh, um, you know, a lot of people didn't think that a kickboxer, tie boxer, or kickboxer at that time could make transition to uh, boxing, and um, I I did it, and um, that was a... um, uh, monumental moment in my life there. All right. So, so is that? Uh, would you put that right up there with winning the uh, the first ever K one USA tournament? Um. Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, quite a, a feat too. Uh, you know, everyone asked me, "Well, what is the most important fight? What was ours fight?" I think. All fights that you win and all fights that I've won belts had were special in their own way, meaning that you had to prepare for each one, you had to prepare for each opponent, and every fight is a hard fight. There's never really an easy fight. And, you know, I like how people say, well, you should handle it. You just never know on any given night. Anything can happen. You never take anyone lightly. And, you know, especially when it came to defending your belt, when you were the champion, you had to work harder than everyone else to remain the champion and stay on top of the game. Uh, yeah, I agree most definitely. You know, it was easy getting there. It's the hard part, staying on top. And uh, it, that's that's the thing that was a hard thing. You know, once guys got there, they had their letdown. I never would, you know, I trained just as hard when I became the champion as as before. Would it is it safe to assume that once you uh, became a champion, you started training even harder to to because a lot of people say you're not a real champion until you defend your belt. Correct. You you had to stay on top of your game. Everyone's gunning for you now. Yeah, you yeah you got that target you know, on your back. I've had a blessed blessed career. I've I've fought some of the baddest dudes in the world, and um, I have to say the Dutch are the best fighters in the world. I mean. Um, aside from them, uh, I put Terry, I mean, each guy had his own feat to overcome. I mean, during the era of kickboxing, I would have to say it was Terry, Terry and Petrowski. Petrowski, I went back and avenged my loss. Terry, biggest fight in the history of kickboxing, pay-per-view in Canada in his hometown to go beat Terry in his hometown. That was, uh, that was unheard of. Um, Coming out of the, um, then going and winning belt boxing, and then going into K1 um, and winning that in 98, and then going on after K1, I, I finished two runner-ups. You know, I've every every opponent is is unique in its own way, and they've had you know it, they all have special memories, and they all have uh, you know they're all different fights, I should say. So. Did you have any problems uh, with the trophy case being too small at, at times? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> uh, 
actually, I'm not the type of guy that, uh, you know, I'm a blue-collar type of guy. I put my jeans on just like you, so I don't have all stuff up in my house. Actually, I have it all put away, packed nice, and, you know, maybe one day I'll put it up somewhere, but I, I just, it's it's got a special place in my heart, and I'd like to put it up some someday somewhere and show my kids, And um, but I just, we have no room right now, so... <laughs> Well, uh, you say it's a special place in your heart, and that's got to be the most priceless way to put it, too. And uh, well, it, it it the sport, you know, you can be a hero today, a zero tomorrow. I mean, it can flip a switch on you quickly. And um, um, you know, our sport has been it this Saturday, the, this past Saturday that I just fought. It was four years, okay, that I had not fought. And I'd been training. I've been trying to get a fight, and the right opportunity came up. Thanks to Dennis Warner for calling me. I've been, you know, I've been emailing so many people telling them I want to fight. I want to fight. I guess timing is everything in life. You know, I know there's people out there. Well, he's old. He's done. His legs. This. That. Well, I showed the world I can still fight. I'm not old. I came in just as shape as what I was when I was 10 years ago. Cut up, ripped up still on my legs, was able to move, kick the living dog out of the guy, and show the world that I can still fight. I'm doing it for love. This ain't about money. I still want to, uh, I still got uh, something left in the basement, so I still want to get it out of me. Uh, you know, my wife and family doesn't understand why I want to do it, but I guess um, when you've gone to the pinnacles I have and you've done everything, it just, there's still something left, and I still want to get it out of me. Well, uh, one thing that uh, you can never get out of you is uh, the fact that you're a warrior. Uh, you, yeah. you, were, you were born with that, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> either you have a heart or you don't. Exactly. Now, and either you're going to, my motto was, you're going to have to kill me to, in order to get me out of that ring because I never would quit. Oh, you've proven that time and time and time again for sure. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't realize this. In K1 2002 in America, I had fought uh, three times. You fight three times in one night. So uh, in the second round of the tournament, in the second fight, which was Dewey Cooper in the second round, right away, I slipped on the canvas. Well, I tore my ACL completely. I continued fighting Dewey. Second round, third round. I went back and I told them, guys, I said, I think something's wrong with my knee, but I'm going to just fight through it. So I'd fought McDonald the next fight for the championship. Well, at the end of the fight, I was a half point ahead. And in K rules, K1 rules at that time, you had to be a full point ahead. Well, during the deliberation, it was 10, 15 minutes. They didn't know. My knee swelled up like the size of a grapefruit. Ooh. And... Uh, doctor wouldn't let it go on so a lot of people don't know i mean i've blocked pain out when i've gone into fights and a lot of people are unaware that i you know mcdonald was telling him he did that to my knee he didn't i tore my knee and you can see where i did it in the uh second fight with dewey now you fought michael mcdonald on three different occasions correct yeah i mean twice in, in uh, k1 and once in mma correct Okay. Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but uh, I did want to ask you about that because uh, I remember I watched, I believe it was K1 Battle at the Bellagio, and there was uh, there was an interview with you, and you said 
you were talking about your knees and and uh, how you were having problems with them, and pretty much announced your retirement. But here it is, almost ten years later to to that day, and you're still at it, and that is amazing. Um, on the- yeah, I uh, I kind of went off. Um, I started my own kickboxing business here at that time, and concert and other things. So I haven't been beat up or since then I gave my body a time to heal up and I haven't been in wars I mean wars where it's taken beatings on my life and uh, I always stay healthy I I always am working out running I mean I go every day to bust a knuckle boxing gym and I work out there here in Phoenix um, so I, I, I mean I haven't been in wars like uh, as of recent so the body healed and everything was fine and uh, you know, knees are good. I sure I proved that last week, and you know, there's been no problem. Okay, and uh, let's talk about your recent fight. Uh, now, you told me uh, before that it was going to be Mighty Mo, but here we go with uh, that something that might be inaccurate again. It says that uh, you fought somebody named Anthony Newman. Correct. He was ten and two. The problem, what happened, was we we're in a conference call on the day before uh, the weigh-in on Friday. Um, he was unable to get a license due to the fact that he's lost the last three of his four fights by knockout. And I think the last one, you know, I was told again, it was for, he was out for a minute or two. I think I'm, I mean, don't quote me on that. That's what I was told. So they wouldn't license him. They said he had to go through an extensive, um, testing on the brain, I guess. So. Okay, yeah, that's that sounds about right. I mean, I, I got my license suspended in Utah when I used to fight. So when I got I got knocked out rather quickly, and right away they suspended my license. So I I too understand a little bit of how the commission works. And uh, to, it, anyway, so go ahead and tell tell our listeners all about your most recent fight with Anthony Newman. It says uh, you knocked him out with a spinning back fist. What the Correct. Okay. Well, I I didn't I didn't know much about him. We tried finding him. He, he was you know he's a pretty big guy, six three, six four. Uh, we had planned to fight Mighty Mo, so I didn't I didn't know what to expect from this guy. I didn't know much about him. Um, so I um, I went out, picked him apart in the first, picked up in the second, and then uh, in the third, finished him with a spinning backfist. Nice, nice. Yes. So, and uh, well, let's get to to one person I've had in the past here on the show. Um, you fought, you also fought uh, former champion Maurice Smith. You fought him on two different occasions, but I watched your uh, first fight with him in uh, K1, and uh, that was a pretty good demonstration of your power because he can take a he can take a pretty good shot, and it looked like you hurt him pretty good. Just tell our listeners. The fight with Mo was unbelievable. I mean, two icons fighting each other. Um, You know, it was a strategic match. One guy made a mistake. Somebody was going to pay. I mean, um, Mo's an awesome guy. He's a great guy. Um, And it was that was one of the great fights too. That's another great fight. I forgot about that. Uh, That I would have loved to have that fight in the championship. That would have been awesome. And uh, now, 
I'm not sure how this is working out, but uh, is uh, are there perhaps plans of a third match between you two? Not that I'm aware of. I don't even know if Mo is still fighting these days. Well, he he hasn't for a while, but he told me on when he was here on the show at the age of 49, he he too feels like he's got something left and wants to mm-hmm. get a couple more in. Mm-hmm. So, now now uh, when uh, you fought him the second time, that was your first uh, transition into MMA, correct? Yeah. Uh, okay, go ahead and tell our listeners all about that fight and the first time you stepped in the cage at Strike Force. Well, there was no way Mo was going to stand with me. I think he learned that right away from the first fight when we had standing, and he took me down, and I think he got me in a arm bar. Yeah. I one thing is is that uh, being like a, a stand-up fighter your whole life, it, it 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 was quite a transition. It was a very hard transition, and it's. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't regret anything I've ever did in life. Life has been learning experiences. You can't regret anything. Um, I um, uh, had a hard time. It's easier to take somebody that knows wrestling, jujitsu, and convert them than it is somebody like me. Who uh, that's that's all I know. I never did wrestling. I never did jujitsu. I never did anything. So I tried to uh, crack at it, and it just uh, it was a hard, it was hard for me. Really hard. That was going to be my next question. Prior to MMA, did did you have any type of grappling experience, any any type of judo or anything that no. uh, involves submissions? Wow! So it's it's all been pure striking, huh? What's that, sir? Uh, I said it's all it's all been one hundred percent striking in your uh, game, correct, huh? Yes. Yes. Okay, and. Um, so tell me, I mean, you've got a few wins in MMA. Um, as far as training, I ended on the- up five, five and five, or five. I'm not even sure, but um, it, um, like I said, it was hard. Every guy I had fought took me right to the ground, so it it just made it very difficult. I hated it. I actually hated being, you know, you're beating some guy up, and then next thing you know, guy takes you to the ground, and then fight's over you're like wow what just happened now have you worked with anybody that's helped you uh, significantly with the ground game um no not necessarily um i'll tell you one thing if i would have if i had done it if i'd do it all over again i'd work with ben henderson's coach john crouch he's a mastermind that guy's awesome and I would have worked with him, and I would have he would have took the time to teach me the right way and not have me rush. I think I rushed in it due to my age and wanting to go after something that just it was it's a different it's a different game, two games. you know I respect what they do, and it's just you have to be you can't be good at one thing. I don't care if you're the greatest fighter in the world, they're gonna take you down. And you've got to know jujitsu. You've got to know wrestling. You've got to know grappling. You've got to know everything. Boxing, uh, tie boxing. You got to know how to elbow throw. Uh, you just have to be an all-around fighter. Uh, let's go ahead and tell our listeners about the fight with uh, BJ Lacey. It's from what I understand, you knocked him out pretty good. Yeah, I did. Knocked him out cold, actually, with a spinning breakfast. Oh, okay. And. Uh, 
I do have to ask, uh, you, with uh, MMA, those smaller gloves, um, how, how does that feel? At least if you, if you land something, they get Weird. the feel to... <laughs> Different. Feel Weird. You're, I'm so used to having my hands taped and um, uh, wearing boxing gloves. Um, it just... Um, it was different. Now, have, have you competed uh, prior earlier in your career? When you were younger, did you uh, do anything bare knuckle? No. So everything was always with a glove? Yes. Okay. And, uh, I mentioned uh, Michael McDonald. You, you fought him three times. Uh, according to the record, it says, says basically you're one and two against him. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the first time you fought him that was back in 2004, and it says it was in uh, Lake Tahoe. Um, so let's go ahead and tell our listeners uh, what happened there. That was 1994. Yeah, or 1994, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Knocked him out cold. Knocked him. You've got power. No, no denying that. Then the second fight was the fight where I lost, where I tore my ACL, where I lost because um, my knee, I was winning the fight. I was a half point ahead. Um, so, um, and the third, it, I I don't know what they were looking at. I was beating McDonald over in Ro, uh, Romania. I don't know what, I don't know. They, um I, I don't know what they're looking at in that fight. Maybe because he ended up taking me down, but he didn't do anything. Maybe it was a takedown made the difference. I don't know. Well, I, I'm i going to tell you what I believe as far as being a judge in MMA is uh, if you have an IQ in the single digits, you may be overqualified. So. <laughs> but, uh, I think the only time I I thought you might be possibly overwhelmed in the ring was against Carter Williams. Is that a safe assumption? No. Uh-oh. Never overwhelmed. I I listened to uh, my corner, which I should never do. I didn't fight the game plan that I uh, normally fight. I never go after somebody. And so my corner said he's dead tired, jump out, go after him. You know, that's the one fight that I know in my heart Carter didn't beat me. He got lucky. The reason I can say that because he never, ever did anything after that fight to justify beating me. He never did. He fell on his ass, and he dropped the ball in his life, and he never could come back, and he never did, and he never will. And if I could get a rematch with somebody, it would be him. I don't like the guy. He's run his mouth, and he got lucky when he beat Rick Rufus. Oh, wow. Hey, hey, I like to hear that kind of stuff on my show. I know in my heart and my mind that at the end of the day, he did not beat me. Hey, hey, I like hearing that. Rick Rick Rufus did not fight his game plan. So uh, the best way to put it is it was just a bad night. Yeah, he he. I, I, my corner said they saw him dead, tired. They said jump out, finish him. Well, I did. I never do that. I never go out and jump on someone. I'm a smart, strategic fighter. I should have stayed with the plan, and um, it costed me. So, but there won't be another mistake like that. Gotcha. And. Uh, a couple of things I want to ask you about is uh, 
Number one, with the, with the way K, K1 is going right now and you, you see the sinking ship, how, do, how does that make you feel in your heart to see this house that uh, you helped build just crumbling? Well, first of all, I don't think the Japanese liked Americans. They never did us justice in the term. They always stacked us six deep. I mean, where you had Hoost Arts and everyone LeBanner in your one pool. So they they never wanted to work with America, nor did they want to help an American. Um, I think if Master Ishii was still in there, I think K1 would have never, ever ever end up the way it is uh he got in pro he had problems with his tax evasion had to go to jail and that's unfortunate but the the people he left to run it ran it into the ground and i believe to this day that if he was still there this who knows could have been bigger in ufc gotcha Gotcha. That's just my two cents and what I feel, and I believe in my heart that he he royally um, let those people mess it up, and look what it, look where it is now. Now I want to, I yeah I agree. Now I want to mention one name, and I'm I'm pretty sure uh, you you probably have nothing but good things to say about this person, but uh, Andy Hoog, what'd you think of him back in his prime? Oh, he was an awesome fighter. He he used all of his um, uh, dynamic martial art kicking things that I throw. He did, which totally changes uh, uh, a fight. I mean, he kept everyone off balance. And he and plus, I'm mean, is super nice gentleman, great guy. Can't say enough about him. Great fighter. Do you wish you would have had the chance to possibly meet him in the ring before his? Before the, yeah, it would have been it passing. would have been good. I know I know my brother Duke fought him and he got he got stopped. Um, um, but yeah, it would have been awesome to fight Andy. Yes. And uh, last thing uh, before we conclude here, pretty soon, I want to ask you is uh, back in uh, your your home state of Wisconsin, they're trying to pass the bill AB three hundred eight. How do you feel about that? What is that bill? Uh, oh well, I'm surprised uh, you haven't heard anything yet. And your your brother's actually uh, fighting them on the front line over this. But uh, basically, they're trying to ban MMA events in the state of Wisconsin. Oh, they are. Yes. Yes, oh, your, well. your your brother's right there on the front line. So. Oh wow. Well. Yeah. I had no idea. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, my personal view on it is uh, with with our economy not looking so great, and here's something that can bring revenue into any city or any state that it's in. And why would they want to take that away? And they've proven what it, that uh, it's not so dangerous. So mm-hmm. that's what I don't understand. Uh, anyway, Rick, uh, that's about all the questions I have for you. If you'd like, uh, go ahead and uh, give a shout-out to your sponsors and uh, let the listeners know where you can be found on the Internet. I can be found at uh, Facebook, uh, Rick Rufus at Facebook.com. Also, um, I'd like to give a shout-out to uh, Boston Knuckle. They helped me get ready for this last fight, uh, Wayne and Allen. Also to um, my sponsors, uh, World Dent and Positive uh, uh, Attitude. Um, and that's it. And I'd like to thank all the fans and people that follow me 
and um, hang in there because the jet's not done. There's going to be a couple more landings. Rick, it was a real pleasure talking to you, and uh, best of luck to you in your future endeavors. Well, thank you, and I appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. I appreciate you being here. It's people like you that make this show a success, so so thank you. No problem. Thank you, sir. Take care. And there you have the classic interview with kickboxing and K1 legend Rick the Jet Rufus. I recorded that interview December 2nd, 2011, so yes, exactly 10 years ago. Yes, indeed. It's time to go to the next music set. Coming up, we have Ramada, going to be followed by Edge of Paradise, Bob Rivers, Royal Bliss, and Chris Angeles. Be right back after this. How dare you and who in the hell fuck do you think you are? You're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we're proper gentlemen, because we always ask, Mind if I fart? You really know how to waste a Cialis, don't you? You're abusing my fan. All this drama and say my name It's politics probably bouncing bombs in entirety Of your knowledge, you popularly chase again There's no stopping me like a pistol So listen, cause all I'm shooting is wisdom Working at murdering rappers like it's a massacre Massacre's just a stuttering magic So when I fall, it's fantastic And when I mess up, I'm passing, never scratch it My flow is nasty This moment is over and now you're frozen Been colder, you got that chip on your shoulder Well, I've been living before we're holding For hell to freeze over After the gimmick of daily living From which I was given After the constant sense Nonsense of rappers and image Because my skin is battle rapid stature Then I've appointed Has it lasted a passive master The flow is so gassy My head is exploding It's overloading with passion Like damn it Tear this motherfucking house down I'm changing the game And the fact we're modest to blame The moment rappers and industry's gonna burn down in flames This is ripping my vision And making art for a living I'm for a part of this business That turns a man into legend I've grabbed the mic with an assumption I'm gonna erupt and it's bumping Full pumping venom and enemies Get these rappers an enema Fan of living inside of this fucking town Cause I've seen it all Took my childhood memories But my future was not fun I hate the people that bullied me Fuck me over and stole from me Cussed me out I was ridiculed Left to ride up your minuscule It's like this place is a prison Inside this hell I was living I got no reflection in me So you never see me in tears I'm bottled up to the point That I can't sleep Look back Never gonna change how it made me Think that road in which I gotta travel Made from the same states That I battle Asphalt weighs down with that clatter Thunder rolls into that gavel Gravel beats away like bad Effect of the matter This is my battle And I'll stand before Would you let me fall Cause I know you never had faith at all You're cold and brave That penetration's a broken heart With a pretty face I've come to learn That's all you are To the bright light And the dying star So let that shade Just marinate Before you ask your friends my dictates Motherfucking house now Changing the game With a fact for modest to blame For the moment rappers and industries Gonna burn down in flames This is gripping my vision Of making art for a living I'm more a part of this business That turns a man into legend I dread the mic with an assumption I'm gonna erupt and it's bumping For pumping venom and enemies Give these rappers an enema That I'm flipping inside of this fucking town Cause I've seen it all took my childhood memories But my future was not involved The moment pride is broken open For the throne of a broken home And no man nobody can fathom The passion look at as in heaven With an evil beat from MD and C Repeated like beating Bieber To the punch with Steven Seagal The free throw which Kilo O'Neal People wonder who's buzzing up and coming My time is coming Don't forget the thought that you had any chance to just oh, 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 o
sober soul to this road And I walk alone to the beat of a broken drum Turning tables and how my name was the furnace Inside the pages ignited this burning embers The fire inside it rages The pace I've been pissing off every face In this fucking job I got hate And it's in my blood Don't mistake it for petty love to summon Santa. Who does the what now? I want to know if there really is a Santa. So I'm going to cast a spell to get his spirit to arrive here. Dude, do you really want to fuck with Santa? I mean, seriously. The guy is like 400 pounds, and I'm sure he can crush your head with an ass cheek. Silence! Oh, northern man of reindeer flights, heed me now this winter's night. From northern lands to southern ground, appear before us right here and now! Am I? Um, you're not Santa. Well, no shit. I'm a fucking elf. Hey, he's almost as short as I am. Shut up. Santa is still pissed at you for that nut-tossing incident in the park a few years ago. Jesus never held a grudge like this. Can I get the fuck out of here now? I'm an elf and I need to work on some toys so spoiled brats like you have something to play with for five minutes come Christmas morn. What's it like working in a toy factory? Oh, it's fucking horrible. Long hours, low pay, no medical benefits, and I think there's asbestos in the vending machine. What? No union? Yeah, right. Most of the elf jobs are going to China. Since they're cheaper, more productive, and roughly the same size, Santa seems to think that dealing abroad would increase profit margin. I don't believe Santa is that cold-hearted. Believe it, lady, and it's all because you fucking bastards commercialized the hell out of Christmas. Back in the day, if you got a wooden toy train, everything was great. Now if you don't get the latest cell phone, your world falls apart. Now Santa is building fucking video game systems out of toasters for some extra scratch. I hope you're happy. You think you could ask Santa to bring me a new spellbook? What did I just say? Greedy, greedy, greedy. Send this bastard back north, will ya? His overwhelming jolliness is making me all teary-eyed. Let's see. Ah, Elfricism. Page 892. Oh, hurry up. Elfin home be not alone. We send you back to your land of gnomes. Go back to work on merry toys for happy children, both girls and boys. You know, for an elf, he wasn't too jolly. Hey, you work on that many toys and you know, something's gotta snap.
Chipmunks roasting on an open fire Hot sauce dripping from their toes (laughs) Yuletide squirrels fresh filleted by the choir They poked hot skewers through their nose Everybody knows some pepper and a garlic clove help to make them seasoned right tiny rats with a crisp golden coat will really hit the spot 
tonight And now when Santa sees his train There'll be some homemade chipmunk jerky for his sleigh And every hungry child is gonna spy And so I'm brushing on some honey glaze To keep them crisp and juicy too Let's hope they get served Many times, many ways Tasty chipmunks Good food Oh, Nat! Mr. Cole? Oh, yes, sir, Mr. Sevilla. Would you mind handing me the barbecue sauce? I am starved. Oh, no problem, Dave. <laughs> and listen, you best be having two of them drumsticks because they're all so tiny and ain't much meat upon them. What about animal rights, Dave? Put a sock in it, Melvin. <laughs> you know, for years, people said you overrated hamsters were my meal ticket. Now I guess you could just say, you're my meal. <laughs> That's a good one, Dave. I always knew you was the funny one in the group. Damn straight. And so I'm offering some recipes from chipmunk pie to chipmunk stew I'm not really sad that it ended this way furry chipmunks screw you <laughs> did you hear that Melvin Dave, did you want Melvin? <laughs> There's plenty of thing though left, though. I just want you wrapped in a bow. Nothing else, nothing more. No more people at my door. Just you naked on my floor. Oh, cause you were all I need. You Angel for my tree I just want you For Christmas I just want you Acting a bow Nothing else Nothing more No more people at my door Just you Things you 
community organizers and campus radicals in Idaho are still up to their dirty tricks teaching Idaho kids from cradle to college that white people are inherently racist. Now these left-wing nuts are taking the whole race thing to a whole new level with critical race theory. According to critical race theory, teaching children math, arithmetic is racist. Shakespeare, Shakespeare, racist. Can you say ridiculous? 
Malcolm X warned against critical race theory. It's very harmful. It's wrong. And the leftist nuts teaching this stuff to our children know it. Join Idaho Freedom Action to put an end to this leftist takeover of education in Idaho. Join the fight against the teaching of critical race theory to Idaho's youngsters. Visit IdahoFreedomAction.org today. IdahoFreedomAction.org X point at night, real country dark. You look up at the sky and see everything you've been missing living in the city. You had no idea there were so many stars. No city lights, no traffic noise. You can actually hear your thoughts because you can actually think without distraction. When morning comes, the light breaks over a surreal nine square miles of unobstructed vista. And you think to yourself, this is a good place. It's quiet, it's safe, and it's beautiful. 600 steel-reinforced concrete bunkers sit on X-Point. They're 80 feet long, 26 feet wide, and have 12 and a half foot high ceilings. The price is $45,000, which is very cheap for what you get and where you get it. In times of natural or national emergency, this is the place you want to be. It's a community, not a commune, and the people there are like-minded. Send an email to brendy at arcmidnight.com and let us connect you with X-Point. X marks your spot. That's the point. Chaz Mitchell Custom Hats makes and sells custom hats with a Western influence. These hats are not cheesy, one size fits all, except they're not cowboy hat knockoffs. Chaz Mitchell will custom design and build a genuine hat just for you, the way you want it. Chaz will actually measure your head, talk with you about the hat you desire, make it, and deliver it to you. You'll make a statement every time you put on your hat. Originally from Jigs, Nevada, Chaz Mitchell grew up cowboy and alongside his father, Waddy Mitchell. They built their first hats together at a workshop in Elko, Nevada. Chaz recalls his father once telling him, make a hat he would be proud to wear. After years of practice and studying hats and their owners, Chaz knows what makes a good hat maker. It's understanding that a hat doesn't only fit the circumference of the head, but also the personality of the owner. Get in touch with Chaz today, and he'll build you a hat you will be proud to wear. Visit Chaz Hats, that's C-H-A-Z-H-A-T-Z dot com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliation with We The People Holsters. If you own a handgun, then you know you need the perfect holster to go with it. We The People Holsters are made right here in the USA by gun nerds who are not afraid to support our Second Amendment. Whether you want Kydex or leather, We The People Holsters has just what you need. We The People Holsters is the preferred option of professionals throughout the law enforcement industry, as well as those serving in the branches of the armed forces. Simply go to www.outlawradioabs.com, go to the store section, and click on the We The People Holsters banner to select the holster that's perfect for you. Don't wait. Get your holster from We The People Holsters today. Ammon Bundy is willing and ready to fight for all Idahoans for your constitutional rights and your property rights. Small business owners are the lifeblood of any free economy. Socialism is a political and economic theory of social organization which advocates that the means of production, distribution, and exchange, businesses, should be owned or regulated by the community as a whole, the state. 
Socialism is force and is the gateway to communism. Let us not be socialists. Ammon Bundy is endorsed by Ron Paul and Roger Stone. This is Roger Stone. You see, Edmund Bundy is not the wild-eyed radical that the fake news media tries to brand him as, but he is a constitution-loving conservative, a family man, and a Christian. I'm Congressman Ron Paul. He's a strict constitutionalist, and I know he would make a great governor. Vote Ammon Bundy for governor of Idaho. Visit VoteBundy.com and keep Idaho, Idaho. Building in a little hick town. This is Outlaw Radio. I'm not in the mood to deal with you today, you stupid asshole! All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Coldcock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, Gear Up, Let's Train, and Neutronics IGF 1, making men, men again. The songs you just heard, you just heard Chris Angelus with Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Before that, Royal Bliss with I Just Want You for Christmas. Before that, Bob Rivers with Chipmunks Roasting on an Open Fire. Before that, Edge of Paradise with Immortal Waltz. And starting off the whole set, Ramada with Tear This House Down. Yes, indeed. All right, so since uh, Stephen couldn't join us and we pray for his safety, I'm joined by Eric Pilcher, and here is Outlaw Radio World News. Outlaw Radio World News. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this edition of Outlaw Radio World News, it is uh, my pleasure to welcome back Eric Pilcher to the show. Eric, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great, Billy. How are you doing? I hope you're feeling better. Yes, yes, I'm, I definitely am. Still got a bit of a headache, uh, slight sore throat, but uh, I, I said I'd recover. <laughs> I, I wasn't joking. <laughs> well, that's good. Um had a lot of people a little circle that have been sick and really the flu took them down hard yeah this this is just this is just a minor cold in fact uh you know because i felt worse than this i've been i've been taking uh hydroxychloroquine every morning since this last summer when the two when the two bottles were given to me and i take the uh, liquid form so and let me t- let me tell you, it tastes nasty, smells like chlorine, but uh, as fast as I'm getting through this thing, the most uncomfortable part is is uh, having a stuffy nose, and that actually hasn't been very bad. Well, that's good. I'm glad that, you know, it isn't as bad as some that yes. have gotten hit with it, certainly. Yeah, and I, be, I mean, I, do, I know I don't have COVID. I've done had COVID, even though there is a chance I could get COVID again, but uh, <laughs> it, it is what it is, you know. But uh, things going on as of lately. So, you know, I stated on the video that I did that when I first heard about the uh, situation with Alec Baldwin, I assumed that it was something like an automatic. And 
that uh, that this so-called prop gun. This right. this was a single action Colt revolver, and uh, I I don't know if you if you know the mechanics of how a Colt revolver works, but there is there is no safety on a Colt revolver because no you have to fully cock the hammer for that to fire. And he, he didn't pull the trigger. I mean, there is a chance that the hammer may not have locked. I could, you know, that has happened in the past, but, uh, I, I'm really, really doubting it because that's like, uh, what one in a million to that, that will happen. Otherwise, uh, you know, um, my my pistol clicks three times before the hammer is fully cocked. You know, and uh, um, and the original Colt revolver clicks four times for C O L T is the way Sam Colt had designed it before it's it's fully it's fully cocked and ready to fire. So, you know, you you cock the hammer and you have your finger on the trigger, how do you not pull the trigger? Right. I, I think with one, when I heard this story in my head, uh, flashbacks happened to the death of Brandon, uh, Brandon Lee. Yes. Instead of the crowd. Yes. Yes. It, have we learned nothing? about gun safety in Hollywood since then. And that was a young on-screen career. And I'm not trying to say one death is worse than the other, but someone ranks higher, anything like that. Have we learned nothing about gun safety? Was that tragedy not enough for us to analyze things? And I, I listened to Alec Baldwin's interview. And the one thing I noticed is no culpability. At all? No, no. It's like he, he's trying. He's trying to uh, paint himself a, as a victim of an accident. How long has he been an actor? And he's been in. He's been in a western before with James Arness, so he should know better. Why would? What I want to know, and I haven't heard an explanation on this. Even in his interview, and I could have missed it through his crocodile tears, was why was the gun directly pointed at anybody? And see, that's just common sense, too. I mean, what when I was growing up and I had toy guns, the first thing I was told is you don't point that thing at people. And that thing that thing only <laughs> shot caps. Yeah, like, it's it's befuddling to me because that's the most obvious question, is what in in the name of heaven were you doing, even pointing that gun in the direction of anyone? That's gun safety 101. And secondly, Billy, you hit it on the head. Anyone that knows anything about firearms, you could know the 
you could have the knowledge the size of a mustard seed about firearms and know that the Colt is not an automatic. You can't even modify it to make it an automatic. I mean, like you can, you're, you're, you can take like a, a, a nine millimeter Glock and you can drop that on the ground by accident. And, and there's a chance that thing could fire once it hits the ground. But uh, no, right. but not, but not a Colt, uh, not a single action six gun Colt. No, I mean, and you people should know this from a variety of avenues. Uh, I wasn't a gun enthusiast, but I learned about guns, and you can make fun of me if you want. It's quite all right uh, through the show Plum Stars because they deal with the antique guns like the Colt. And every time they're at the range and they test fire it, you see them pull that hammer back and then pull the trigger. But, you know, this may sound like a crazy conspiracy theory, too, because Alec Baldwin is a gun control freak. He always has been. He's anti-gun. I think he. I think he's even uh, spoken words of repealing the Second Amendment. So it has kind of occurred to me did the young lady who got killed was was she a, was she a sacrificial lamb at the altar so they can get gun control going and then get idiots like Alec Baldwin saying, "Look, guns do kill people. It's not just people kill people. Guns do kill people." I mean, I generally stay away from conspiracy theories. I certainly hope that isn't the case. Uh Blood on the altar, so to speak, to prove your point is is just pathetic. It, 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 I mean, I don't. There are so many things that would were not answered with his interview, and so many. And it's almost as if we're not getting the right answers because the right people are asking the wrong questions. Now, I did talk to somebody that. Um, I, I know down in, in New Mexico who's, who, um, whose name I've been asked to keep anonymous, but he, he's a retired actor. He's been in some Westerns, and he's been on that very ranch where that set was come up. And uh, one thing he told me was that particular area, that ranch that where that's, that uh, movie set is, is if somebody wants to direct a movie, they have to have a minimum one million dollar insurance policy. So, and uh, it's been since this movie that uh, was being made. I think it is going to be cast as a low budget movie. Um, you know, did the did they have uh, did they have that insurance required? Did the did they have that uh, you know? Did they have the proper crew who knew what the hell they were doing is a, is a question, you know, because uh, obviously when it comes to low budget, you're, I mean, you're obviously not going to get, like, if Steven Spielberg was directing this, the odds are this most likely would not have happened. Correct. There's a lot of, there's a lot of blame in this situation to rightfully spread out. And I, I love one, I, I have, and I say that just oozing with sarcasm, how 
it, it immediately shifted to, at least in the media, a majority of them. We should just remember the soul that was lost. Hmm. No, we should. No, all, we got to take. We also got to take uh, account of the mistakes that have happened, so they don't happen again. If if there was negligence, in obviously there's negligence somewhere. If there was negligence, with there being negligence, we really need to find out who did the negligence and does it fall under the terms of criminal negligence? You know, you want to remember this person that was tragically taken from this world. That is fine. But what about her family? What about her friends? They need a sense of not not necessarily justice, but closure on this. Most definitely. I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. They're going to need a sense of closure. And one thing you can count on is the city of Santa Fe isn't going to just sweep this under the carpet. They're... Their sheriff's department. Oh boy, from what a what I hear, um, you know, their their police, their you know, Alec Baldwin's going to be in trouble with them. The director is going to be in trouble with them. There, you know, there there's going to be some criminal charges brought on by the state of uh, New Mexico. There, there's no getting away from that. Right, and you know, I I really. I really do think that this is a case of criminal negligence. Someone was negligent to the degree that someone lost their life. Let, let's take every, every political angle you can out of it. And let's, let's dumb it down to the smallest common denominator. Someone died because someone screwed up. That is the problem. It doesn't have to do with guns. It doesn't have to do with gun education. It doesn't have to do with anything anything political. It has to do with someone had a grave error in judgment in how this firearm was handled. Yes. Or how this fire how this firearm was was constructed for movie use. Now, as far as the uh, gun control freaks, um, what do you think uh, the odds are now that uh, you know this is only gonna gonna push the agenda for more gun control? I mean, obviously, the hot topic is AR-15s when it comes to gun control, but this was done with, like I said, single action Colt revolver that uh, is rarely used in any homicide or robbery or anything like that. Uh, I mean, God, I think uh, it's been probably 20, 30 years since one of these was used in any any kind of crime. So, you know, I think there's there's probably going to be uh, somebody else trying to take another blow to the Second Amendment after this, too, and try to use it to further push their agenda. Anytime, anytime there's an issue with a gun, a kid could get his eye shot out with a super soaker and the gun ha- and the gun haters are going to be on it. 
I think what needs to happen is exactly what you're doing right now. And I think all Second Amendment supporters need to do this. There needs to be a rally right now of just shutting down any misconception they can come with. Look, the gun haters are like expert swimmers that have never jumped in the deep end of the pool. Okay? They sit here and they bash details that they have no idea how they work. I, I mean, I've had arguments with people they're like oh well it's so easy to get a concealed carry you just walk into the sheriff's office and you get it (laughs) no that's not how it works at all there's a background check they go through everything they make sure you can handle the responsibilities of the weapon you have to go through a training course before you can even apply for it and if you're denied you don't get that training course money back so this is there are many fail safe in place. Uh, Bad people are going to get guns. That's an inevitability. Banning them is only going to ensure that the good people don't have them to defend themselves from the bad people. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But, but yeah, you're, you're not going to convince these, this bunch of retards and I'm not afraid to use that word. uh, You're not going to convince them that uh, you know, it's, that uh, bad people aren't go- aren't going to get guns because um, that you know illegal weapons dealing out of the back of someone's car. How often? Come on, you can't even stop drugs from being sold that way. Weapons are sold the same way every day. Absolutely, and you have the dark web as well, where people can go and get them, and it's. I understand the nobility complex with them that they want to feel like, oh, we're doing something noble. And no, you're not. (laughs) No, you're literally ripping your nose off to spite your face. You're you're instituting, if someone's going to rob a bank, are they going to go through your extra fail-safe to get a gun legally? Of course not. Are they going to get the gun from a gun shop or a gun show? No, absolutely not. How are they going to get the gun? They're going to get the gun from someone selling it in their neighborhood, uh, the dark web. They're going to get it however they can. Yes. If anything, more gun control is going to open the floodgates to illegal activity. It's going to be, <laughs> I just thought of this, it's going to be like the movie RoboCop. You're going to have on honest, law-abiding patriots because they're not going to have the means to defend themselves against the bad guys. You're literally going to give them Colt 45s match up against AR-15s. Yes. Uh, definitely, we, we got to move on because, boy, does time start to go and get into these subjects, too. Uh, uh, Jesse Smollett, what an idiot. I mean, do these people, there's, especially a city like Chicago, they're really 
Come on, racism isn't as rampant as it was during the civil rights era. I mean, yes, racism is still a problem, I will agree, but it's not like, this isn't the civil rights era, you know, so it seems like they're trying to create racism. So somehow keep it alive so they can either make a buck or get more recognition. Oh, look at me, look at me. You know, it's very interesting with Jesse. Um, one, this case, this smelled fishy from the get-out, in my opinion. Um, just the details, I, I was like, this, this doesn't sound right. Why are you out walking in below-zero weather at 2 a.m. to get sandwiches? And in Chicago... Where the, oh, yeah, that's, let me tell you, that's MAGA country. Oh, yeah. You know, when I think of biggest Trump rallies ever, I, I look at the UIC arena. I go, give, give me a break. And then when, when the police report became public information, which if you do have any of those libs that listen to this show and they're like, well, that was wrong in the first place. No, it's not. Any police report can be made public. And in high-profile cases such as this, they are. Slow your roll. It, the, he became upset because the camera angle wasn't pointed the right way. If I were legitimately a victim of a hate crime, the camera angle would be the least of my concern. <laughs> I mean, and, I'm, I'm just going to oh, say, go I mean, Rodney King, that guy was a victim of a hate crime. And then during the LA riots, uh, where the cops that did beat on him were found uh, not guilty and Reginald Denny uh, took a severe beating when he was pulled out of his truck, that was a hate crime. I mean, this this idiot trying to stage Ahmed a hate Aubrey. crime. What's that? Ahmed Aubrey. Yes. Was a hate crime. I mean, Martin Luther King was a hate crime. Even Malcolm X. He's killed yeah. killed by killed by his by members of his own congregation because he's like. It, he go he goes to the Middle East and worships with other Muslims of different creeds and different colors, and he comes back and he realizes white people aren't that bad. So he gets killed by oh, his own horror. What's that? Oh the horror. Yeah. So he gets killed by his own congregation. And I, I'm going to say a lot of this black-on-black black crime is, uh, they are hate crimes. agree with that. And I, you know, uh, I'm going to, in a lot of these shootings, I'm going to, in regards to black-on-black black crime, I'm going to say, I, I'm not trying to stereotype at all. I'm going to guess that there is a certain racial epithet that's used uh, before someone is shot. It, in that case, it's just a normal crime. 
it's a normal murder. However, if a white person were to do that, it would become a hate crime by the justification of the law. You know, Eric, let me tell you something. Is I, when I, I went to college here in Twin Falls, I've told this story before and I will tell it again. I went to college here in Twin Falls. Uh, my roommate next door was on the basketball team. I remember I didn't like him at first because he was always throwing parties and making a bunch of noise. But then I started attending the party, started talking to him. Him and I smoked some weed together. You know, um, his name was Riyadh King. And he was from Chicago. And he told me that getting out of Chicago was one of the biggest blessings of his life because the neighborhood he came from was scary. And, uh, you know, we ended up parting ways. Of course, he, I think he moved to Atlanta. And then years later, I found him on MySpace. And uh, him and I started uh, uh, chatting a little bit on MySpace. And uh, then, uh, you know, it probably been pro uh, maybe a couple of months since I got my last message from him. And then out of the blue... I get a message from somebody who claimed to be his girlfriend telling me that uh, he had to go back to Chicago because his mother had died of cancer. Oh, no. Yeah, so, and only two days after the funeral, so, someone just ran, some randomly shot him and killed him. I mean, he was relieved to get out of Chicago and when he goes back for fa for a family emergency, he gets killed. That to me, I I don't know what the motive was. If it if it was a stray bullet or somebody, I mean, it, he was a, he was a random murder. But my my view on this is, if Black Lives Matter so damn much, why aren't things like this addressed by Black Lives Matter? He was black. His life mattered. Because it doesn't, it's, it's optics, Billy. It, it's optics. Look, I've said this since the Black Lives Matter movement started. I've really, and there was a Fox News interview with Tucker Carlson, who my issues with Tucker can be addressed another time, another day, um, where a matter in, I think, Baltimore, was hosting a segregated picnic on Memorial Day. Black people only. And I actually had a conversation today over lunch with Dirk Don of Arrogant Media. And we we talked about the Black Lives Matter movement. And it's and it's it's a horrible it it's how do I want to say this delicately? It's a movement that on the surface, you're like, okay, it works. But if you even do a modicum of research, you find that it's a total crock. Sean King has had many bookkeeping issues, inquiries from the IRS. Brianna Taylor and Michael Brown had fundraisers in their name no one from their families has seen step one of this money. 
former leader goes on a $3 million home buying spree. Then you couple it off with you hear nothing about the real problem, which is black on black crime in inner in urban areas. Well, I, I mean, none of that surprises me. Hear something if it's a white cop or a white person against a black person, they do more to enhance the racial divide in this country than any other group. I mean, it's just like uh, former South African president Jacob Zuma, who uses taxpayer funds, we're talking millions of American dollars, to get himself a mansion in a place in South Africa called Naklanda, and he promises that he's going to pay this money back. And then, well, all of a sudden, uh, the government's backing him, saying, no, he doesn't have to pay any of that money back. While what? While South Africans, especially the ones in poverty, and we're talking black communities, are starving. But what do they blame? Apartheid, which has been gone for a for a generation now. That that to me falls under. It doesn't fall under a Black Lives Matter issue. It falls under this need for people to be woke, or quote unquote woke. And the woke movement is stupid all in itself because these people think they're being individualists. No, you're not being individualists by propping up talking points that you read from MSNBC or that Trevor Noah spouts on the Daily Show while you're sipping your late night mocha latte. You know, no. Helen Zeely. You're uh, not woke. Yeah, Hel- Helen Zeely put out the perfect book, and uh, it's been recommended. Especially Brett Sessoms keeps on uh, d- suggesting it to me. Go woke, stay broke. Absolutely. It, 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 like I, I sit here and I'm like, what do you? Like, I heard these same talking points on Rachel Maddow's show in a video you shared. You're not giving me any new information. Where did you find, what research have you done to corroborate your thoughts? And what I find is they almost have done no independent research. Like, they stay away from anything that is down the middle. It's all geared towards their viewpoint. And I hate to bring them up, it's the same issue with Crazy Joe. Uh, Crazy Joe. (laughs) I'm surprised you even brought that name up. But yeah, I don't know how many times he's tried to pretty much pull the victim mentality on his show. But, uh, wow, he sure... Does is he gets these stats that corroborate his racist views, and he gets them because his one lone source of information is Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity, and it's like no, that doesn't make you woke. That doesn't make you fighting against the machine, so to speak. It just makes you a makes you sheep is what it makes you for either side go out do your own independent research and form an independent opinion 
That's what woke is. To me, people like you, like Dirk, like Matt Connerton, those are the real woke people. Because you guys sit there and do the research. You look into it. And you find, okay, both sides are wrong here. Totally cool with hearing that. As long as it's, as long as the person, it isn't the great white devil that's causing all these problems. It isn't, you know, it isn't the government that's making people's lives crap. It's just do independent investigation. God bless all the technology we have right now and resources people can use to do that. But they're lazy and they just want to feel different. And by that quest of feeling different, they fall in line with the status quo. I mean, and then, you know, getting back to, um, because we're running out of time here, but, uh, you know, just getting back to Jesse Smollett, too. I mean, uh, one thing I'm going to say, the only thing good thing CNN has done is gotten rid of Fredo. But now now it's time to get rid of... uh, that idiot Don Lemon or Don Lemon or however the hell you pronounce that retard's name. But, you know, there was, there's been a story theme since Smollett took the stand. Um, when he was on the stand, he dropped a little tidbit. And I want to clarify that this was said under oath. So if he's lying, it's perjury. In a, fe- in a felony case trial. He said, and I quote, that he didn't give his cell phone because Don Lemon texted him and told him not to because of the fact that Chicago PD was starting to have disbelief in his story. I mean, there's there's holes in this bullshit from the start. I mean, I mean, how can you not see it? You know, I mean, you're in an area where there. I mean, I I do know of. I mean, I'm sure there are more, but I can only name two people in the city of Chicago that I personally know of that are Trump supporters, and they've both been here on this show. So I I mean I know there's more than that, but come on. You know that, that, that Chicago's not the KKK area. Chicago's not MAGA country. Chicago, oh, is, Chicago is as li- liberal as it gets. This is bullshit. Charles Barkley said it best: "If you're going to commit a crime, don't write checks." <laughs> yes, yes. I hate to say it. To, Eric, uh, we are we, but we are out of time. So. But yeah, I, I there is so much more that I could get into with Smollett because I have followed this very closely. Um, I'm going to be very interested to see what happens with Don Lemon for giving information that he more than likely obtained through journalistic <laughs> federal investigation. Yes. And it's going to be interesting to see. I I really hope that this doesn't look likely, so I'm not going to hold my breath. 
I really hope Smollett gets prison time. Yeah, because of the resources that were used for this investigation are resources that could have been used to combat black on black crime, true crimes in the Chicago area. But, uh, you, you know, but, it, but if it does, and it doesn't matter if the judge is black, if the judge gives him one hour of jail time, he's going to be a racist. You know that. Oh, yeah. No, racist homophobe, Billy, because Smollett is gay. Okay, well, yep. Anyway, <laughs> we are... We are out of time. So anyway, hey, I want to thank you very much for stepping up at the last moment. But uh, yeah, um, we'll we'll oh, be no problem. It's always enjoyed. Yes, yes, we'll be talking again. <laughs> oh, absolutely! I look forward to it. All right, you take care. And that will do it for this week's edition of Outlaw Radio. What's on tap for next week is yet to be determined. Because of my idiot of the week, I have the perfect song picked out to conclude the show. Here is Dean Chancy with Don't Keep Messing Around with the Boar. Thank you very much for tuning in to Outlaw Radio, and I'll be back next week. Are you tired of modern pop music that sounds like a dog fucking a squeaky toy? Well, that's why you're listening to Outlaw Radio. We tell bad bed music to piss up a rope. We give you our opinions, and if a fight breaks out, so fucking what? This is Outlaw Radio. Well, I turned on the TV late last night. I was surprised to see it wasn't black and white. They were talking about privilege and apartheid, and all they could do Wine, wine, wine They've been running things since 1994 And all they could do was blame the bull You don't laugh when an elephant catches your sand You don't poke a light in the eye with a stick You don't ask a rhino to borrow his horn You don't twist the tail of a cape of a load And you don't keep messing around with the bull it's crazy and I don't mean maybe you've been playing with petrol in a lightning storm Just look in the mirror to play that game That way you'll know who to blame, blame, blame Might be some things you shouldn't do i help you out and name a few You don't laugh when an elephant catches your sand You don't poke the light in the eye with a stick You don't ask a rhino to bark
Hey everyone, Bad Billy here. Do you own a business? Or perhaps you're in a band. Or maybe you run a radio show or podcast. Whatever you do, you want to market your brand with custom-made apparel. Look no further than Fresh Baked Tees. T-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, caps, beanies, koozies, banners, and even masks. You can get them all custom-made from Fresh Baked Tees. Prices are reasonable and negotiable. Simply go to freshbakedtees.com, submit your logo, and place your order today. Support Outlaw Radio and friends and buy some cool stuff in the store section of outlawradioabs.com. Get Outlaw Radio t-shirts and hats. In the CTM store, a service of Caravan to Midnight, find items to help make your life easier and better, including the new Eden nutritional support system. Check out We the People holsters, made in America by gun nerds who are not afraid to support and stand up for their Second Amendment rights. Click on the We the People holsters banner in the Outlaw Radio store. Get the best night sleep in the whole wide world and more with Mike Lindell's My Pillow, Pillows and other products. Click on the My Pillow banner in the Outlaw Radio store, use promo code OUTLAW and save up to 66%. Visit My Patriot Supply and purchase buckets of food with a 25-year shelf life. In the Cranked Up Coffee Shop, a service of Cranked Up Live. Entertain your taste buds with coffee that even the aficionados love. Visit OutlawRadioABS.com and click on the store link. A service of Outlaw Radio and AOW Productions. You've heard the phrase, America's most loved brands. And what exactly did our loyalty to some of those most loved brands get us? I'll tell you what, money and lots of it. For organizations and their ideologies that directly conflict with American core values and the American way of life. Enter Etruzu.com, a place for patriots to buy and sell. You can open your own online store for as little as $25 per month and grow your business as big as you want. Buy from patriots and sell to patriots. Everything from ordinary household items to absolutely anything that's available from companies that do not have our country's best interests at heart. With Etruzu.com, you know who you're buying from and you know who you're selling to. Let's make your brand one of America's most loved. Get started at etruzu.com. E-T-R-U-Z-O-O.com. Etruzu, a place where patriots buy and sell. Mark your calendar and make plans now to experience Highway 30 Music Fest 2022, June 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and 25th at the Twin Falls Fairgrounds in Filer, Idaho. Take the whole family and enjoy good food and drink, country music, Americana music, rock, and red dirt. Artists performing include Colby Cooper, Lainey Wilson, Ellie Mae Mellencamp, Cliff Miller, Austin English, The Steel Woods, Shane Smith and the Saints, Sam Riggs, and more. Sponsors of Highway 30 Music Fest 2022 include Bud Light, Falls Brand Independent Meat Company, Snake River Pool and Spa, and 95.7 KEZJ, Southern Idaho's new country. Have a great time while helping organizations and families in need. Highway 30 Music Fest will take place rain or shine. That's Highway 30 Music Fest 2022, June 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and 25th at the Twin Falls Fairgrounds in Filer, Idaho. To order tickets and for more information, visit hwy30musicfest.com. 
Hi, it's the big voice guy. The one who intros and promos the show you're listening to right now. Hi, my name is Jim Hunt. I voice for a growing list of internet and terrestrial radio stations, podcasts, and businesses. I'd love to spread the word about yours, too. No matter if the message is serious or silly. Whether you want the delivery to be hard-hitting, voice of authority, or conversational, warm, and fuzzy. From fully produced station imaging and commercials to custom phone system messages on hold and IVR prompts, voiceovers for computer games to narrations for presentations, even post-production audio editing and audio cleanup services. Yeah, I do them too. I'm your guy. I do business as Jim Hunt voiceovers and audio services. My rates are reasonable and negotiable because I love internet radio too. Visit my website, jimhuntvo.com. I'm Jim Hunt, at your service. Put my voice and audio production skills to work for you. Let's do this. You have been listening to Outlaw Radio. Be sure to leave your feedback by calling 208-957-7016. All feedback is played and replied to on the show. Visit our official website at outlawradioabs.com. Outlaw Radio is a presentation of AOW Productions.